Hello, I'm Tom Allen, and this is Dingbad Chat. Oh, that was wonderful. Hello there, my name is Alice Vickery and you are listening to my podcast, Dingbat Chat, where I try out new experiences and then discuss my efforts with an expert, usually after it's all gone wrong. This is episode three with a VVIP guest joining me on the peak of my podcasting journey. So if you want to catch up or carry on this road of Tom Foolery, please go and like and follow Dingbat Chat on the old Insta, Facebook and Twitter. This is my first real podcast about Melbourne and what a way to start. I arrived mid-comedy festival and realised I was at the Edinburgh Fringe of Australia. Despite the anxiety-ridden flashbacks I felt every time someone flyered me on the street, I decided to go and see a couple of shows anyway. It was actually Emily who came across the poster. Tom Allen was debuting his first solo show in Melbourne called Absolutely, and we had to, had to, had to go. Not only because we'd spent several hours before scrolling through his YouTube channel, but because we were both craving some of that waspy British wit only he could provide. So we went along on Tight Ass Tuesday, $5 off the ticket, just saying, and were led into this intimate room with a lovely smiling man shaking hands at the entrance. I mean, a little confused, I took his hand and smiled back when he said, Oh, nice blouse. It suddenly dawned on me that not only was I currently holding Tom Allen's hand, but that he'd just complimented me on my fashion sense. I managed to shout out, I like your tie, before the queue moved on and we sat down, thoroughly excited for the show and still blushing just a little bit. Tom's performance was just wonderful. I mean, I'd never felt so relaxed and yet so entertained at the same time. As I was watching him, I thought, this is how you perform. This is top-notch stand-up and wondered if I could ever do it myself. And then it hit me, why not try it? And why not ask the talented but also very friendly comedian in front of you to help? I mean, at the end of the show, he disappeared behind the velvet curtain with a swish, and I thought my dreams were dashed forever, but I sent him a message in hope, expecting a polite rejection as all I could offer him was a coffee, which he ended up buying himself anyway. But he replied, and the rest, well, the rest is episode three of Ding Bat Chat. Sit down, stand up. Comedy. I'm here in a cafe in Melbourne in mid-April. It's a slightly sort of overcast day. And I'm giving you all these details because I'm sitting here with the rather well-known British comedian, Tom Allen. Oh, you're very kind to suggest I'm well-known. But um, yes, you are sat here with me, I'm afraid. Yes, that is true. And this is a cake shop we're in, which is nice, isn't it? Isn't it? It's called International Cake Shop. I've uh, brought some culture to this podcast. Yes, you have. You've done very well. It's very nice. I like it. I've not been in here before. Have you not? Have I introduced you to a whole new... Whole new side of Melbourne. Mm, yeah, more yet more things to eat. <laughs> That's no bad thing. But I mean, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed because so far this is the third episode of my oh, podcast, right. so it really is quite brand new. And I've only interviewed some good friends of mine oh, right. and a lovely German 18-year-old that I met in my hostel. Well, that's fine. That's. I mean, I'm glad I'm in such great company. <laughs> 
you are on a slightly <laughs> to deliver. But okay, fine. Well, well, I, I trust you'll ask me exactly the same things that you asked them. I mean, if anything, they'll be slightly more interesting. I like to, I like to hope so. Well, well, we'll see when we will just see. We'll just see. But um, then that's exciting. Where was this hostel you met this this person in? We're staying at um, Melbourne Metro YHA. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say like you don't have to reveal where you're staying. But I mean, I thought was it like in like you've been backpacking around like Asia maybe or somewhere like. It was just like a couple of days ago, actually. Just a couple of days yeah. ago, you just fine, fine. It's oh, all sort of started while we're oh, here. That's nice. Oh, that's nice. Just thank you so much for saying yes and coming along to this because no, I feel nice. Nice to meet somebody new and hear, and chat to you. Yes. What can I tell you? What do you need to know? Well. I mean, we were very excited beforehand yeah, about coming to see you because we've wanted to see you, both of us, for a very long time, oh. Emily and I, because we saw you on the telly and we were like, right, it's quite funny. We quite like him. <laughs> nice. But then obviously we're both in Southwest and it doesn't really happen down there, comedy-wise. I mean, I've been on tour down there, but I won't hold that against you. Fine. <laughs> I have been down to the south. I've been to Cornwall. Been to Cornwall? When were you in Cornwall? Cornwall. Um, I went to Redruth. And I went to, well, and then I did two nights in Redruth, and then I, and sorry, I shouldn't have said Cornwall. I then went to Plymouth, uh, and then I went to Launceston. Launceston. Yeah, which I think they're both sort of on the... On the Launceston's in Cornwall, Plymouth is, is not. But Plymouth is not, that's Devon, isn't it? Yeah. No. There's some bad blood over the yeah. Tamar Bridge. Yeah, I bet there is. Oh no, I've done it now, haven't I? No. <laughs> I stayed in Cornwall, I stayed in... Um, Oh God, what's it called? Uh, just well, just outside Newquay, really. It was lovely. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, isn't it, Newquay? Really beautiful. We had beautiful weather. Yeah. I took my mum and dad there to a very fancy hotel, and um, we had we both had rooms next to each other. Mum um, and dad were next door, both looking out over the beach, over the um, beautiful ocean. Oh. And I went into my mum and dad's room. And I said, "Do you like it?" And my dad went, "Oh no, it's too hot. It's too hot." <laughs> and I said, "Why don't you open the window?" And he went, "Oh, the sea. It's too loud." <laughs> So it's just never happy, really? Yeah, never happy. They went, oh, let's see, it's like a motorway, really. <laughs> a motorway of nature. But then they were happy because then they left me okay. after, like, huge arguments in a very civilised uh, hotel because they just were My dad was not into it. No. Too fancy. Um, and then they went to the town where they do um, uh, Doc Martin and then they stayed in a pub there. And they Port, Isaac. Port Isaac. Port Isaac. Isaac. Port Isaac, round the corner. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Love Port Isaac. That was on their terms. They found, my dad found the hotel right. for themselves. I was like, what, where are you going? Like, you can't just wander off without anywhere to stay. And, and I was like, do you not want to, because I travel all the time. I was like, do you not want to book somewhere? Do you want me to book? No, no, I don't want to book anywhere. No, if I can't find anywhere, I'll just go home. <laughs> and mum was like, well, I'd quite like to, you know, have a little holiday while we're here. Yeah. Um, my friend got married there um, in the neighbouring bay and we had the reception in the school or the church hall, the village hall, not the school hall. The sort of nursery, lovely nursery place yeah. up the hill. I think, yeah, it might even be the school in Doc Martin now, I'm oh, thinking really? about it. Probably. And I had to compare it, but I was pissed. <laughs> and it's a lot of pressure when it's someone's happiest day of their life, isn't there? But it was a bit of fun, you know. I mean, we all had fish and chips. They were, they are very fancy people. Um, and they, it was such a posh wedding reception. And we had champagne and no food, just canapes. So everybody was absolutely smashed. I mean, what did they expect? What, what did they expect? <laughs> and then we stayed in my, you know, in like a friend, you've got like an organized friend who organizes the place to stay. We ended up staying in a cottage in the bay. Um, but I ended up being in a bunk bed. I mean, it wasn't that long When's ago. the last time you stayed in a bunk bed before that? Before that, before that I wasn't allowed bunk beds as a child because <laughs> it was always the risk I'd fall out. And then um, I didn't like going to sleepovers because I didn't like sleeping away from my own bed, something I carry now with me, even to, the, to this day. So it was my first time probably in... Was it a bit of a dream come true then, in a weird way? No, I was no. pissed <laughs> and falling asleep in a confined space. I was 
Yeah, so it's very, very worried, but it was a lovely trip. Anyway, I don't know what. Sorry, you- I just <laughs> I got very excited then that you might possibly come to my work or your parents. So yes, very excited that you're here and that we could come and see you for your show. Absolutely. But as you said before, this isn't your first show in Melbourne, is it? No, I was supporting Sarah Millican here a few years ago, which was a wonderful experience. And before that, I'd done little, not little, but I'd done compilation shows, so I was doing a shorter set. This is my first time doing my full show here. And it's sort of, it's sort of come at the end of my UK tour. Um, and uh, I, I didn't, oh, I did, oh no, actually, I did some dates in Ireland as well, so not just the UK. Um, but now it feels nice to bring it all the way to Melbourne, and then I'm going to Sydney after this. Oh, right, okay, so you're spreading yourself all across Australia. It's almost, I mean, it's sort of like a holiday, but uh, one where you work all the time. So what's that called? Mm, uh, you could have a work holiday visa, just like us, if you like. I mean, it might even be, it might even be the one I'm, I don't know what it is. I have, I have got a visa, though. I have okay, definitely got a visa. Okay, that's right. Well, if you work for another three months in a, on a farm, you can stay here for another year. So maybe Australia. Could. I wonder why I had to spend some time working on a farm. No, I didn't have, I don't think I have that visa then. I don't have that one. Maybe not. But I mean, what, do you, what have you found is like the biggest difference between Australian and English humour? Because obviously they're going to get some things and they aren't. I, well, of course, I really like talking about the details and brands and little nuances. And at first I was worried about that. And then you either find something that's an equivalent or you just say to people, oh, you might not get that. We only have that at home. And people go, oh, fine. Because I think with comedy, it's all about, at its best, it's about empathising and understanding each other, isn't it? And sort of going, oh, that person's different to me, but I'm sure we've got something in common. And then we laugh because we go, oh, that's similar to me. I didn't know someone was similar to me. Um, in whatever, you know, whatever small detail that is. So um, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't try not to worry about that too much. Because you can sort of play on that as humour itself. It could be part of the show. Exactly. Like, isn't it, what am I pretending, that I live in Australia? Like, they know I don't live here. They know. You've got, can you do the accent? Can you do the accent? Uh, no, not really. I do a very sort of... I've got family in uh, South Australia, and I think there's a sort of sort of slightly more sort of talk like that all the time. And they have a slight, but then I kind of... I always like posh accents wherever I go, and I think that's a bit more of a sort of... Uh, if you go to, like, South Melbourne, I want to say South Yarra, maybe they sort of talk like that from the back of their throat. St Kilda as well inside. Yeah, maybe down to St Kilda, but I think St Kilda isn't as posh. No. Honestly, don't know. I mean, it sounds posh, so I'm just sort of going by the lingo. Well, from what I understand, what I'm told, St Kilda traditionally was kind of a um, a lesser fabulous place, or a bit a bit edgy, let's say. Edgy. Hipster, I think is yeah, the word. I think, I think hipster. In a way, probably like the equivalent in London would be somewhere like Camden, is the sense I get. I might be wrong, though. I might be wrong, and the Australians would tell me off. So, it was a very intimate venue that you're performing in at the moment it was absolutely wonderful because it was about second row that we were sitting in and as we entered in you were shaking people's hands and you were so friendly and personable and you said you like my blouse I think I shouted back at you blouse yes I think I shouted back at you I like your tie because I was a bit nervous but (laughs) well that's fine that's fine I was well it's quite nice it's sort of nice being in Australia um doing my show but I don't I mean some British television gets shown here but I I don't uh, I've sort of not starting from scratch perhaps but started you know you know you have to start somewhere and it's sort of been nice to kind of do it or do it like that you know and do it kind of like build things up and I think people I know have come back a lot have started off like that and that's the right way it should be as well because you get to know the audience here and they hopefully get to know you and they like you and they bring their friends and you're so friendly I mean agreeing to do this podcast and sort of shaking people's hands it, no but I, I think you are very it's lonely. so kind of you very no lo- very lonely very is very that what keeps you so friendly with the fans then yeah, yeah. it's the only time I see anybody all day 
Hello, please come in. Please be my friend. Please talk to me for a second. Talk to me. Please sit there while I talk at you for an hour. I could just pay a therapist, couldn't I? But I mean, that too. You, I think you'd be quite good at that, to be fair. You definitely brighten people's day. As a therapist? You think I'd be good as a therapist? Yes. Um, maybe not on the life advice as such, but like in the making people feel better. Thank you for that. I mean, I feel like these clients would be like, uh, and, uh, no, sure, yeah, and I just talk all the time, poor people wouldn't get anything, get a word in edgeways. Well, maybe you just turn around, they could be the therapist, and you could go to therapy. Fine, that would work for a bit, wouldn't it, until they got, hang on a minute. I'm paying for my own show, I'm paying for their own stand-up show, so that's fine. So, you obviously, you know, when you were 22... Going back to all your accomplishments and achievements. You was, so you think you're funny. And BBC New Comedy in the same year when you were 22, at the tender age. And I say that because I'm 22 at the moment. I'm feeling particularly tender. Well, it was, do you know, those things were nice to win. But in truth, they were um, really quite, they were, were, no, they were nice to win. It was nice to have that sort of support. But in truth, it actually made, meant there was quite a lot of pressure, whether that was real or I just applied it on myself. And actually, I just wish somebody had said to me at that point, now go off and be rubbish for, for six years and learn. Because inevitably, I was rubbish <laughs> anyway. Because you've got a lot to learn. You've got to learn about different environments, different who you are. That is, you, I, well, I didn't know who I was at that point. I sort of wasn't really out even. And, um, or I was, but not... Anyway, but um, it was sort of like... I don't know, it took me time to know myself and know what I'm doing and feel confident in myself. And, um, you know, you always question that, obviously, but I think I wish someone had said, like, it's okay to get it wrong and fail and, and to have that sort of applauded, whereas I just felt lots of pressure and lots of um, uh, uh, stress at that point. So, yeah, so I think, I don't know, it's not, I mean, I'm, it's nice to do it, but um, the truth is, I think it was only in the last five years that I started to learn about what I'm doing. So, see, I mean, obviously, with all that, pressure that you put on yourself and the confusion of finding yourself while you're trying to start a career at the same time alongside all the publicity and, and that must have been quite a lot it must have been a very large transition there, was, there wasn't a huge amount of publicity but there was yeah there was a bit of kind of um, um, awareness I suppose yeah and there's like with comedy people often say it's like learning to play the violin in public um, because you don't get a chance no one's sort of interested in going to see a comedian you know there's no other way to do it other than on that's a wonderful description <laughs> So you can't, you can't do it, you can't learn, you can't go to a conservatoire and practice away from everybody else. Like you can't, um, so you have to just sort of learn it in front of other people and sometimes it is agonising. <laughs> have you had like sort of several times where you've realised, sort of had a bit of a realisation that this is my kind of funny now? Because obviously you must have had that to start your career, but then later on as you found yourself, you must have thought, this is it, this is the path I want to go on. I think that's a really interesting question. I think I, think I had a strong sense of who I was, when I started out and I think actually what happened is through learning and I guess this is the way of any sort of training maybe um, I lost a lot of confidence and doubted myself and then it was only in sort of latter years and people like Sarah Millican and friends who I have um, now Susie Ruffle Mae Martin a lot, lot, Eleanor Tom is a very good friend of mine um, who just kept me um, just sort of really I don't know supported me and encouraged me and I, I'm always like they're the ones who believe me and I think I sort of came back up a bit in my confidence I mean and that sort of and I think it's a lot of the time in life it is just confidence and self-belief but people talk about that you know like you always get those sort of like people on on Instagram being like just believe in yourself and it's like where's this just it's like believing in yourself is a a journey and you want to have something to base that on some sort of experience and and you need to work hard I think there's no sacrifices there's no substitute rather for um, working hard so it's a bit of a dry answer no 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 but it's so true because I I 
myself, I've, I've, you know, as you do, you go through things and find yourself and all those words, right? But before then, I thought I was a really confident person. I thought I was incredibly confident, but none of it was earned. Oh, that's interesting, and yeah. Then you get sort of broken down, yeah. it, which is horrible, yeah. but then the person you become afterwards, that's someone you've worked for. That's, that's very true, isn't it? And I guess it's, it's right that, you know, you, we wouldn't do anything if we didn't have a bit of belief in ourselves. We didn't have a bit of... Um, uh, you know, think that feeling that we could do it. I think that, um, yeah, it's just sort of. I think we have a, a strange attitude towards learning. Actually, in our culturally, I think you know like the idea of failure is really um, is really frowned upon. There's a lot of people are sort of shamed by it all the time. Being like, well, day you not get it wrong. And um, I think actually, if you go to like an improv class, um, I think people are like, it's okay. You're allowed to fail and just fail. You know, fail, fail better, and all those sorts of like. Um, mantras that I think actually can be applied more widely to performing arts and also to the world actually like it's okay to not be perfect all the time and actually we're allowed to evolve and move forward but anyway you're someone who knows what you're talking about I've done about that I've done about all that (laughs) sort of you're saying about improv and everything watching you perform because one of the things that I've always found is really important because I used to do um, I sing and I used to do music festivals when I was younger and I could always tell when someone was on stage and they were just really nervous and you can always feel it and it makes you uncomfortable. Watching you at ease completely. Honestly, I felt like I could be relaxed at home. It was was so comfortable, especially when you were talking to the audience. It was like a conversation. But obviously that's improvised, that's not planned. And how long, sort of, how did you get there sort of being comfortable to talk off the spot like that? Well, I think that, I, in a way, I was always confident of it, but it took me time to relax in myself to be able to do it. And I think when talk, people talk about going to see a comedian, you know, they died, as we just charmingly describe it, <laughs> or don't do very well, I think it often the comedian beats himself up, but actually it's just the, an audience perceive a nervousness and they worry about them. And actually, human beings are naturally empathetic. We understand each other and we connect. And if you see somebody who looks a bit uncomfortable, you feel that yourself. And I think, like you say, that's what stops you enjoying it. So I think the journey for me has actually been to... And it sounds very like like I'm writing a self-help book, but I do think it is like the journey has been to actually allow myself to be happy. And like when you allow yourself to be happy, um, you, you know, people reflect and go, oh, that's a happy person. But that takes work. And I think that's, you know, not takes time. And I'm not, you know, obviously I'm like anybody else, not always happy, but sometimes, you know, you try and bring that to the stage. We know you come across, like even now, because obviously you're not sitting here performing, you're just having a nice normal chat with um, me, which I'm quite happy about. Um, <laughs> But it's perfect. It's, but it's you. You seem very happy now, as well. Which is, I mean, not just because obviously being happy in your work life is kind of totally different. Being happy in your personal life. Um, yes, I suppose so. Yes, um, but I. I mean, yeah. I think I am happy. I think I'm happier because I know what you know. Like I, I suppose I know myself a bit better, and I know, and I'm busy. I think being busy as well. When I've not been busy, it's been such a nightmare. Um, just because you think too much, or I do anyway. Humans aren't used to thinking, oh, we're so used to like having headphones in and watching yeah. something. You don't want time by yourself. It's overwhelming. Terrible, terrible. Has there ever been, obviously, you know, talking about fires and being comfortable and everything, has there ever been a heckler that you can remember that has really sort of knocked you off track in your show? I think, again, like not to get all serious, but I mean, I get like people, sh- you, you, like just sort of general apathy or disdain. Um, particularly early on because people would be like mm, he doesn't seem quite comfortable or they'd be like I've often told the story of how 
you know, like I'd be booked for gigs early on because of those competitions, and I'd end up going to say Plymouth, which is, you know, I don't know, I mean, it's an unfair <laughs> example, but so you know, often like quite like rough comedy clubs, for want of better words, and I'd walk up and be like, oh, has anybody seen the film Emily? And um, people would be f- like stag parties and be furious. But um, that sort of, and that sort of, I suppose that's the journey you go on because you question yourself in those moments. Yeah. And then sometimes that's a bit sort of um, difficult. But, but yeah. The bigger you get, the more well you know you get. The kind of people you attract, they're the right kind of people who want to see you. And people come to know you, and, and hopefully it goes sort of, it connects up really. You know. so you've really found your routine as well and what you like to talk about. And I, I love that because obviously like, there are things, I think Tom Allen, I think, living with his parents and Victorian clothing, and they are your angles. To common, <laughs> common effects, can really get on board with. Everyone can relate to, right? <laughs> but it's 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 wonderful because they're so specific, and obviously you found those angles. I mean, how did you specifically think they are the ones I want to talk about? I think when I well, I think I just learned to. Uh, David Sedaris says, "Write about what you're ashamed of," and I think that's what I and I think that's um, I think I sort of was led by that a bit to go. Um, to go sort of down like oh actually why that's embarrassing I shouldn't talk about that and then you go oh no talk about it because actually people might go like oh what and I'm always very sceptical of people like what why would you do that and like can't even uh, get on board with the idea of it um, and then but the people I love are the people who go like oh we understand you like we understand like we understand you're a different person you're uh, you're I always, I always think of myself as sort of a an individual in a when I write stand up, I try and think of myself as an individual sort of lost in the circumstances. So um, that's and I hopefully people like I say hopefully people go oh I feel like that sometimes too. And then I think I do think comedy and and um, any kind of entertainment is sort of making people feel less alone in a way. You go like oh I'm, I thought I was the only one. Oh that's fine I'm not the only one. Well I did um, have a briefcase and wear a oh, collar on occasion to uh, school, so <laughs> I get it totally. Honestly, thank you so so much. It's been wonderful talking to you too. Thank you, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it very much. I just wanted to ask last question because I, um, after this, as part of the podcast, going to do a set of stand up in the next week or so. Any tips? Um, Tell a story um, and punctuate it with funny moments. (laughs) So be funny. Just basically be funny. Um, but yeah, that's what that's my advice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much and good luck. It was wonderful meeting you. Pleasure. Nice to chat. Oh. So we have to run off. That no, was no, such no. a lovely. Did you, um, is that alright? I mean, what can I say? Yes, that was genuinely Tom Allen, and yes, he is genuinely that wonderful. I mean, we'd had a bit of a mix-up as to where we were meeting, and I ran through the door in a panic, but he was calmly eating some baklava and put me at ease straight away. And yes, I know that's my job as the interviewer, but he's just so lovely. I was happy to follow his example. But chatting to Tom is only part one of this podcast. Tomorrow I will be funny, just as he advised, and do my very first stand-up set at the Highlander in Melbourne for their open mic night. I've decided to go for an easy and relatable concept, dating, or in my case, the lack thereof. Emily will be recording the entire fiasco, honest to God, I think she's my PA now. And good, bad or ugly, it's going to up tomorrow for your entertainment. So make sure you like and subscribe to Dingbat Chat, because you won't want to miss it.
Thank you guys so much for listening and a massive thank you to Tom Allen. Yes, Tom Allen, genuinely Tom Allen. And make sure you watch out for next week's episode, Feeling Loony, Back to Uni.